Praise the Lord. Um, I was going to say this, and I forgot this morning, but um, we do. We travel and we minister all uh, all over, wherever the Lord gives us opportunity. And coming up at the uh, middle of September, we'll be headed over to India. I say we, uh, it'll be myself. <laughs> um, but I'll be heading over to India. And uh, last year we were in Miramar, formerly known as Burma. And so uh, as the Lord gives us opportunities, we take those to go and minister. We'll be in a, uh, a, a, a church and then a Bible school, which I love. Uh, when I was in Miramar, uh, we taught in a Bible school that had leaders and some pastors and different people of the community that were there that had set that week aside. There was actually, if I believe it, it was two weeks. Um, and they slept there. They came there. I mean, talk about hungry. I think sometimes we uh, we need to up our, our yanny a little bit in America of our passion for the things of God. Because these people drive and come from miles around just to sit underneath the word for two weeks, man. It's like, wow. But uh, what's so amazing about that is the fact that you can impart some things into them. And then they can take it back into their community and touch lives where I don't believe... You know, you could ever do it because they know the they know the language, they know the community, they know the the uh, the just the you know the their nation. They know what's going on there, and so that's what we do. And so we'll be over there in India coming up. And so we're excited about that. If I could request anything from you, keep us in your prayers. And uh, you know, I went over there in two thousand, and uh, I remember thinking about going back in the Lord because when I went, a lot of people that have gone to India are like, "Oh man, it's terrible! I got sick." You know, and I was there for three months. It was my first mission trip ever. I was there for three months and absolutely loved it. Um, as you can see, I'm a large man, and I actually <laughs> I actually gained ten pounds when I was there, and which was that's like impossible for me. But the food was so good, and uh, and I enjoyed it. But I didn't get sick one time time while I was there. And um, I remember I was thinking about going back and the Lord said, you don't just go unless I tell you to go. Because man, when you're you're going into darkness, they got more gods that you can shake a stick at. I mean, they have these shrines, like you just walk in, which one do you want? You want five arms, 10 arms, you want ears? I mean, like they got everything. And uh, and so you're stepping into the devil's uh, den, if you will. And so when you go, uh, you need to know you're going by direction of God and that you're going with uh, with a, a shield of protection up. Amen. So just to ask you to do that, that'll be awesome. And uh, we're going to have a good time. We we'll believe God will change some lives. People get healed and saved. Amen. Let's dive into the word tonight. I'm going to continue a little bit with what we spoke about this morning and uh, talking. We talked about um, having a revelation of righteousness and that righteousness is a masterful a masterful thing. And so when you, uh, when you step into understanding righteousness, righteousness is simply a, a old English word that really just means right. If you were building something, you would say, is this righteous? Is this done right? Is it square? Is it level? Are you with me? Is it righteous? And so what Jesus did through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to the Father was uh, uh, took away the sin nature that was in you and made you right. He made you right. And so because you're made right, therefore, uh, the presence of God is now able to live inside of you. The Holy Ghost of Paul said, he said, don't you know that you are the temple of the living God? That the spirit of God dwells on the inside of you. And uh, for the Jewish boys, that was a hard thing to wrap their mind around because you have to, we hear that. We're like, oh, amen. God lives in me. Praise God. All right. Going somewhere to happen. But you got to think back then that their idea was there was a priesthood and there was a high priest. And he was the only one that was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies where the actual presence of God lived. 
And he himself had to do first sacrifice. There had to be a a shedding of blood. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that there is no forgiveness of sin without the remission or the... I'm sorry, there uh, there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sin or forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And so if the sin had not been dealt with, then because of God is a God of justice... There had, to be a, there had to be a response. And so he had to sacrifice and shed blood, not only for the children of Israel, but for himself before he could enter into the Holy of Holies. And that is why the priests, you study it out, it's kind of monotonous, a little boring, but you study it out, there's a lot of cool things in there that show you the reality of who Jesus Christ is and, who, and what he did for us. And that's why the priests, they wore bells around their their garments and that they had a rope tied around their ankle. Because when they went into the Holy of Holies, if the bell stopped ringing, they would understand, whoops, he didn't take care of business before he went into the presence of God. And they would yank him out. And then there was the guy on the bench. He's like, Johnny, you're in, you know. Get in the game, you know, and he would get in there and it's like his thing. And he's like, oh, Lord, here we go. And then he would go into the presence of God for the people. And he would take the blood of the of the animal and he would pour it out on the mercy seat. The Ark of the Covenant where the archangels were, where the it was the place where the presence of God was. And because of the poured out blood uh, that was uh, that was poured out on the Ark of the Covenant, on the mercy seat, that is what God, it atoned the people for one year. And so when you're telling uh, these Jewish boys that now that presence, because we know you read in is it the book of Luke where it says when Jesus said it is finished, that the veil that separated the presence of God the, from the Holy of Holies, it says it was ripped from the top to the bottom. In other words, God says, "Woo, I'm coming out. I ain't got to sit in there any longer. I'm moving out and I'm moving on the inside of you. They say that curtain was what, like something like six inches thick and 40 feet and 20, you know, like 20 feet high, 40 feet wide or something, you know, whatever dimensions. I mean, like just an insane curtain. And it was ripped from the top to the bottom. God moved out. And so you have to get this kind of almost stop and realize when when Paul was saying that the Holy Spirit, the presence of God is going to move and live on the inside of you. It had it had to be received by revelation. Because they remember and they know what was happening on the inside the Holy of Holies. Y'all here tonight? And so now that same presence, that same power, that same magnificence, glory of who God is, is living on the inside of you. That can only take place if your spirit man has been recreated in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Simple gospel preaching, but if we don't have a revelation of it, it is what keeps us, as I said this morning, distanced and alienated from God. Why? Because we don't believe that we deserve to be in his presence. And yet God says, I'm a God of justice. Can we pull up Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 18, guys? Do you have that in the Amplified Bible? Isaiah, unless somebody has, I don't have it on me. I want to read this to you real quick. Isaiah chapter 30, I believe it's verse 18, the Amplified Bible. You get an idea because God is a God of justice. I want you to, you know, when we as a community 
are, have an inherent nature of, uh, of justice. When, um, you know, my mom and dad, you talk to them, where were you when uh, JFK? You got it right there? Perfect. Let me read that. God bless you. Watch this. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18 says, He lifts himself up. Let me, let me, can I, can I scroll? Is that, oh, 18, there it is. It's on the other side. There it is. And therefore the Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking, and longing to be gracious to you. You need to write this one down, highlight. I mean, this verse right here gets me excited. And therefore the Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking, and longing to be gracious to you. And therefore he does what? He lifts himself up. Jesus allowed himself to be put up on the cross, not because he did anything wrong, but because of your sin. He lifts himself up that he may have mercy on you and show loving kindness to you. Why? For the Lord is a God of justice. Here's the thing. God is a God of justice and his justice must be met. And I, like I was saying, my parents, used to, where were you when John F.K. was murdered? Man, I mean, you talk to anybody that lived in that time and in that era, they'll tell you exactly where they were. What was happening, the, how the nation almost fell to their knees and, just, and, and just, just like, wow, how could this be? That moment for me, my generation, I believe is when the airplanes flew into the towers. It's like I, knew, I know exactly where I was when those airplanes flew into those towers. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, working at a landscaping store, Southwood Landscape and Nursery. I was a sales help, help people carry out flowers and got mulch. And I, knew exact, and I remember one of the, the ladies that rang up people with you know, flowers. Stuff, she comes running out of the office. She said, an airplane just flew into a, uh, one of the buildings. You know? And I'm like, what? I go in there and boom, see the second one fly into it. I mean, it's like it's, it's forever ingrained into our minds. I'm going to hold this just for a moment. And uh, and. uh and it's like, man, you knew exactly where you were. And it's like all of a sudden the nation, maybe divided and maybe separated through opinion and different things, all of a sudden came together as a whole. And I mean, the churches were filled. Everybody was coming together. They were praying. Why? Because all of a sudden there was this, this sorrow because of what happened. But also, if I could say, a righteous anger that said, those that did this must be brought to justice. It's an inherent nature on the inside because we're made in the likeness and image of God. God is a God of justice. And when laws are broken, when sins are committed, he cannot, he cannot spend time with you. He cannot be in your presence. You cannot be in his presence unless justice has been satisfied. But what I love about God is that he did not uh, hold you accountable for your own sins. He sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross for him, uh, for you so that you, through Christ Jesus, could be made the righteousness of God. Come and live in his presence. You becoming the house in which he dwells, lives, moves, and operates through. Why? Because justice was satisfied. Let's go on. I want to read the rest of this verse. We'll move on. Loving kindness, mercy on you, show loving kindness to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied are all those who earnestly wait for him, who expect, look, and long for him, for his victory, his favor, his love, his peace, his joy, and his, uh, his matchless, unbroken companionship. 
All of that, yours. Why? Because God is a God of justice that satisfied His justice through lifting Himself up, lifting Jesus up. Why? So that you could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So here's the thing that I want you to see tonight. That's just my intro. Hey, glad to be here. All right, here we go. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, because you're righteous, the byproduct of being right is health and healing. Your body functioning and operating according to, watch this, the will of God. Turn, if you will, to Matthew uh, chapter 26. I'm going to show you a couple of scriptures here. Matthew chapter 26. This is Jesus. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is in that moment where he's about to fulfill the will of God by going to the cross. By satisfying the demand of justice. Matthew chapter 26. Let's start in verse 36. Read some verses here. It says, Then Jesus came with them to the place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Verse 39. He went a little further, fell on his face, and prayed, saying, Saying, oh, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to teach just for a little bit here. The words here, uh, when Jesus says, not what I will, the word will there is the Greek word thaleo, T-H-E-L-E-O, thaleo, which is the idea of volition or a decision that is made. Jesus is saying here, God, not what I would choose, not what I would do. But then he goes on to say, but Father God, what you will. And the word there for God's will is the word thelema. Thelema, T-H-E-L-M-A, thelema. I think I'm pronouncing those somewhat correct. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I got a a concordance. (laughs) Okay, here we go. So it's the word thelema, and the word thelema simply means this, that it is God's predetermined, already accomplished Purpose and will. Jesus was saying, Father God, stay with me. That Jesus has said, God, not what I would choose to do, not what I want to do, not my volition, but God, what you've already predetermined and accomplished be done in my life. Your will be done. Not what I choose, but what you choose. And when it comes to living in the reality of your righteousness and receiving healing, there has to be an understanding of God's will for your life. uh, What is it? Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, uh, don't be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. So here's a question. If it is, if God's telling you don't be unwise, but know what the will of the Lord is, then you need to be able to know what the will of the Lord is. See, you know, some people, well, you just never know what God's going to do. Well, you just never know. I mean, God's mysterious is up there in his all omniscient and sovereign ways. And you just never know what God's going to do. That is a cop out from somebody that doesn't understand and know the word of God. Because the word of God, watch this, is the will of God. And God is sovereign. God is sovereign, but not in the idea that he can go about and do whatever he wants to do. God is sovereign in his word. He has placed himself under the authority of his word. Come on, do you believe it? 
God is, God is sovereign in His Word. The Word of God is the will of God. It is the predetermined, already accomplished will of God. Jesus said, God, not what I would choose. I'm not here to fulfill my will. God, I'm here to fulfill Your will. The will of God has been predetermined and already accomplished in Christ Jesus. Why is that so important? Because if we understand that the will of God has already been done, then what? Then the will of God is manifested or available, if I can say it that way, in your life. So whatever it is that you're going through, what we have to do is find out, God, what is your will? God, what is your will for my life? You find out what the will is, then you will have the authority and the ability to, to step out and walk in that by faith. Amen? Okay, so watch this. Um, look at Hebrews chapter 10. Just let's look at this, uh, this will just for a little bit longer. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 10. Actually, let me back up to verse 5. Therefore, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifice for sins, you had no pleasure. Uh, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It was written of me to do your will, O God. Jesus is the fulfillment and the accomplisher of God's will. Verse 9. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He, has, he takes away the first that he may establish the second. Look at verse 10. By that will. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Jump down to verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. So here's what you have to see is that the sin issue, kind of overlapping from this morning, but what the sin issue has been dealt with. Jesus fully came by this will, by this predetermined, already accomplished will that Jesus came to do. He came and accomplished the will of God. So by this will, we have been sanctified or set apart as holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. That will produces the manifestation or the will of God in your life. You're not trying to obtain it. You already have it. I'm going to say it again. You don't have to attain it. You already have it. Because Jesus has already done it for you. He has already accomplished the perfect will of God for your life. All we have to do is by faith receive it and begin to live in it and walk in it and say, Father God, your word is your will. You can't get enough of, I, I want, Lord help me. You have to get a revelation of giving that on the inside because again, religion and, and the devil will always try to talk you out of what God has already given you through Christ. Continue reading here in verse uh, 10. It says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, there is no longer a price that needs to be paid for sin. There is no longer a sin issue. 
There can't be. There's no longer. Why? Because the shed blood of Jesus Christ has appeased and has satisfied God's justice and has dealt with the sin nature. And if there, what is the wages of sin? Death. And and in the book F.F. Bosworth, Christ the Healer, it says this, that sickness and disease are the incipient stages of death or the beginning stages of death. But if you and I have likened ourselves with with Christ, hold your place in Hebrews right there. Hold your place in Hebrews. Turn, if you will, to uh, Romans chapter 6. Look at Romans chapter 6. Let's start in verse uh, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. My old man, my old sin nature was crucified with Christ. That the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Verse 7. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once, come on, for all. He, may, he died once and for all. That the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Turn to, turn to Galatians. I'm going to give you some scripture tonight. Galatians. Y'all know this one. Chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ, the, or the word Christ is anointed, the anointed. He lives in me. There it is. He's dwelling on the inside of me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus came, gave himself for you, satisfying the, the demand of God's justice so that his presence can move and live on the inside of you and that he dealt with once and for all the sin issue if there's no longer a sin issue then there no there is no longer the consequence of sin there is no longer a price the wages of sin the price to be paid for sin is death but i'm not here to like him well and this is that this is that whole deal well we're just old sinners saved by grace you can't be both You can't be a sinner and saved by grace. Why? Because if you're a sinner, then you're still living in your old nature. But I'm a new nature. I'm a new recreated man. I love this illustration. My wife, she used to watch that show um, uh, with... His name was Ty, and they'd go in, and they would... You know, they'd come in with a video camera. What was it called? Do you remember? Extreme Home Makeover. You know, they come in and they just show you how bad it is. Oh, we're here at the Smith's house. Look at this house. Oh, my goodness. This got asbestos and every lead in the paint. Whoa, they're, they're, I don't even know how they're living right now, you know. And there's stuff, the ceiling's falling out. Look at this room, you know. It's like, there's like a blue tarp. Water's falling in. You're like, it's Niagara Falls. Oh, it's beautiful. Okay. So we're going to send them on vacation. They go to vacation. And so they go in. They're like, we have decided this house is so bad that we can't even remodel it. We're going to demolish it. And then it's this whole thing, the crane coming in. They tear 
down the house and they move it right. They get it down to the slab and then they build a brand new home. They bring the the family back from they bring the family back from vacation, right? They're standing in the, in, in the, behind the bus, and what do they say? Y'all know it's like a one, two, three, move that bus, you know, move, and they're like, ah, you know, and then they, and the kids are running in because they love basketball, and somehow they made a full size basketball court in their bedroom. They're like, oh, this is the best. <laughs> And they run in there and they're just like, wow, we, you know, your kid has bad allergies. We put the best, you know, insulation and, and you know, uh, air conditioning unit with filtration that anybody could imagine. Your kid will never have allergies again. Ah, you know, everybody's happy, right? That is exactly what God did for us. He didn't come in and patch it up and leave residue and res, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the past, uh, you know, the, 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 the last tenant of sin and the res, uh, the, uh, what's the word I'm trying to, the, um, remnants of what he left in that house and go, well, just kind of, we got new paint here and new carpet, but everything looks good. And you kind of walk in, and you're like, okay, kind of. Smells a little old though. You know what I mean? God didn't do that. He completely wiped out the old man. It's non-existent. This is why Paul is saying you got to liken yourself to be crucified with Christ. It is no longer the flesh or the sin man that lives, but Christ in me. The hope of glory lives on the inside of me. I'm a new creature, righteous in Him. And because I'm righteous in Him, watch this, sickness and disease cannot live in my body. Because sickness and disease is, is the result of sin. But I'm not a sinner, I'm righteous. So you have to meditate on this because you'll always get that little thing in there that says, yeah, but I mean, I messed up. And I mean, well, we're sick. So does that mean I'm, how's that work? And here's the deal. When sickness and disease comes, it is the devil that's trying to bring. He, he is a, how do I say it? He is a terrorist that's trespassing on purchase and holy ground. It doesn't belong to you. I remember one time I did a, a message. Let me do it this way. Let me show you this. It's like when I was growing up, um, we went into the, the, the grocery store. We lived, uh, our, the grocery store that where we live had these little plastic trays under all the candy selection, right? So you can go in there and you get a little bag under there, pull the lever, fill up the bag, get what you want, and you walk out and they, you know, they charge you by the weight. Well, somehow there was these free samples that would just kind of get left in the tray right there. You know what I'm saying? Well, they weren't free, but at the time I thought they were. <laughs> so, you know, you're a little kid, you're walking by, you're like, yummy, there's, you know, shh, you know. Ah, Red Hots, peanut M&M's. I'm like, yeah, they're good. We should get some. I had some, you know. And I remember one time I had my just my pockets full. And I'm sitting there and I'm eating, you know, I'm just enjoying myself. And my mom's like, hold up. You know, we're walking out. there. Dustin, what's going on? It's like, what? She goes, what do you have in your pocket? I was like, what? I got some candy, you know. And she said, Dustin, that's called stealing. So I remember we walked back in and she had me, she had me go up and I had to, we went to the manager, you know, made a big, you know, life example out of this, you know, and went in there. Dustin, do you have something to tell this guy? And I'm just sitting there like, oh my goodness, you know, and I'm like, uh, sir, I stole this, you know, and he's probably thinking, I wish you would have kept it. You know, I'm just, you know palms are sweaty, say, you know, you know, I'm here to return what I stole and you can keep it, you know. And I remember my mom said, Dustin, we don't take what doesn't belong to us. See, a lot of times just because there is a, a physical a feeling of sickness and disease in your mind doesn't mean that you have to take it. 
I would say this to you. Don't take what doesn't belong to you. It's not yours. Christ already paid for it 2,000 years ago. You don't have to pay for it again. The sin, the debt of sin has been paid. Therefore, sickness is... So it's like this. It's like, here you go, take this. And Satan's trying to, Satan's trying to give you this. Hey, take sickness. You got a headache. Oh, man, that's bad. Your back's hurt. Oh, man, this is going on. Take this, take this. And it's like, listen, when he's offering it to you, by you feeling it in your body, you are to say, Satan, I'm not going to take what doesn't belong to me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Look at 1 Peter 2.24. You guys still hold your place in Hebrews? How many of y'all love the word of God? All right. Y'all still glad you came tonight? Okay. Look at 1 Peter 2.24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were, past tense, healed. Why? Because healing is the, pro- is, the, is the product or what is produced when sin is dealt with. So when your sin has been dealt with, now healing is rightfully yours. It belongs to you. And you are to receive it by faith. Here's the thing is when you understand, let me, let me put it to you this way. Sin, the, the boundary line of sin is death. The boundary line of sin is death. Its effect in your life ends at death. And when you liken yourself to be dead with Christ, then you have been, as uh, I believe uh, Colossians says, we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. You've been translated out of the, the, uh, the control and the environment of sin and you've been moved out of that effect and its ability to harm you and been moved into the kingdom of God's dear son. So here's the idea. You see a dog that's been chained up by a, on a, uh, around a tree. He's got the collar. He's got the chain. You can tell his perimeter how by the, 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 the dirt path that is circling around the tree. If you get inside of that, that the links of his chain, you get close in proximity, then he has the ability to affect you. When you get close to sin, it has the ability to affect you. But you stay outside of the perimeter of the sin. I've never seen anybody where a dog's bark hurt him. He can sit there, he can bark, he can growl, he can spit, he can do whatever he wants to do. But when you're on the outside out here, he may be standing there, but the last link in that chain is stretched. He has no effect or authority in your life. It's the exact same way with the devil. He's chained, he's bound, and he snarls, he's barking, he's biting, he's trying to get. But you've been moved out of his territory of sin and death. And you've been translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. He has no right, he has no authority in your life. So let's finish that in Hebrews. Chapter 10, I want to read these last few verses, 12 through 14. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified.
It is by this will that you and I live in a position of right standing with God and in absolute health and prosperity in God. Healing is yours. Look at Isaiah chapter 50 real quick. I'm gonna, I want to tell a story, but I'm just make sure I'm done here. Isaiah chapter 50. I'm 53. You guys know this one. This is another healing scripture. Isaiah 53. Verses 4 and 5 says, Surely he has borne our griefs or our sorrows and carried... I'm sorry, let me... uh, Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. He was... uh, Yet we have seen him uh, stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our, our, for our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. See, you deal with the sin issue and healing is a byproduct. So what I want you to see is simply this. Healing is not, again, like we talked about this morning. Healing is not something where it's a hit and miss item. You got to meditate on and get this in because God wants you to live healthy. God wants you to live in divine health all the days of your life. But if you allow the devil to lie to you, he'll get you to take something that doesn't belong to you. And get you to accept and live in something that is below the standard of what God purchased for you through his son, Jesus. I remember the simple thing. Remember that I'm going to tell this testimony. Um, um, and uh, my mom and dad, my mom and dad uh, were, uh, you know, wild, crazy sinners. My dad was a drug dealer. Uh, I mean, literally like crazy. He, they used to fly planes into Mexico, push the drugs out the doors and take off like, like stuff you watch movies about, like really crazy stuff. And so um, they, uh, they actually lived in Mexico for a while because of uh, running from the law. I mean, just, it was really, it's like his testimony is so fun to listen. It's like, what? This is crazy. And, uh, and so, um, but uh so they're living in Lake Tahoe, California. That's where I was born. And uh, my dad is a jeweler. He made my wedding ring. My brother and I have matching wedding rings. They used to be cufflinks. He made them into rings. And then he got grandpas and I got dads when we got married. So kind of a cool story. But he would, uh, he would make jewelry in the front and sell drugs out the back. And so one day, my brother Dylan, he's 18 months older than I am. Dylan walks into the bathroom. My dad's snorting a line of cocaine. And it just, you know, my dad's like, oh my, I, I do not want my children growing up this way. So we moved to a, a little town called Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And my dad begins to cut hair and learn how to cut hair at a barber shop. And the guy next to him in the chair next to him is named Wes Kroll. And Wes Kroll is, is a born again, spirit filled believer, loves God. And he keeps asking my dad, will you come to church? And dad's like, no, I don't want to go. No, I don't want to go. Leave me alone. My dad had tried everything under the sun. He used to chant the sun up, chant the sun down. I mean, he did it all, meditate, hum, you know, whatever. And so this was like, eh, I'm kind of cool. I'm good, thanks, no thanks, you know. And so Wes kept inviting him, kept inviting him, come to church, come to church. So finally, my dad just, you know, was like, will you please, uh, if I go, will you leave me alone? You know, one of those deals, which should be an encouragement to us. Keep asking. 
The guy at work, the lady next door, don't give up on them. Don't matter how ugly they are. Doesn't matter how what they say to you. Just smile and wave and keep letting Jesus love them through them. And keep inviting them and keep telling them, come to church. Just keep telling them about Jesus. Because my dad is a perfect example of what that will do in their lives. I'm a product of a man that would not take no for an answer. And so he keeps asking my dad's like, I'll go if you'll... Be quiet. <laughs> so that's cool. That's all I'm asking. That's all I need. And so dad goes to church and, you know, just a typical service, the, 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 the preaching, and then they give an altar call. And, my, and, you know, my dad, before he knows, he finds himself walking down to the front. And he said, okay, God, if you're real, take these drugs and alcohol out of my life. And my dad said it was like a, it was like a vacuum. It just instantly, that, that addiction, that craving, that uncontrolled desire for those, those bondages in his life were completely and absolutely and 100% removed from his life. And so, uh, uh, dad, man, he's, he's on fire for God. God's just radically saved him, as Carmen sang once, if those that remember Carmen. And, and, <laughs> and I mean, he's just on fire for God and going after it. And, um, and so, um, I was born... Watch this. I was born, uh, I think it's called clubfoot. My legs were twisted. You know, uh, it was kind of the Forrest Gump deal. You're going to have to break my legs, put me in cast. I was going to have to wear, you know, the braces. Run, Forrest, run. That whole deal, you know. Nobody's seen that movie? Okay. <laughs> Anyways, I got to stop using that example. I guess that, not, a, not a big response there. So anyway, so I was, you know, my legs were all twisted and stuff. And so my dad, watch this. My dad finds this scripture. In James chapter 5 and verse 17, you guys know it. James chapter 5, let me read it to you real quick. James chapter 5, I'm sorry, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let, the, let him call for the elders of the church and let, uh, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save, that word save right there is the word sozo. S-O-Z-O, sozo, which means saved, healed. It's one word. So, I mean, it's like it's saved, healed. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. So my dad reads this verse and it goes off. He's like, this is Dustin's verse. So he takes him and he asks the pastor, will you pray for my son? Will you pray that his legs will be healed? The pastor's like, we'll do it, man. Well, they forget. Well, then they, uh, they call it, they, 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 pastor says, Hey, uh, we forgot to pray for Tom's son. Uh, bring him out. So they got me out of the, uh, out of the nursery and they brought me down. They, they prayed for me and, and said, Father, we thank you for your healing anointing. We'd say, In the name of Jesus, be healed. Right there in that service, absolutely nothing happened. <laughs> We walked away, and uh, mom and dad had prayed, and so, I don't know, a couple days had g- gone by, and, um, and my mom's looking out the window, and there's Dustin. Just, you know, my brother used to tease me all the time, as a big brother would do, right, you know? And so, he'd come on, Dustin, I'd trip and fall, my knees were always skinned up, because my legs were twisted. Well, mom looks out the window, and I'm not, I'm not tripping and falling, I'm sprinting, I'm like, you know, I'm trucking down the road, mom's like, get over here. I come over, and mom looks down, and my feet... Are as straight as can be. My eyes were a little crooked, but my feet, I'm just kidding. My feet were straight as can be. She begins to cry. She begins to just, I mean, she's emotional. She calls my dad. He's at the barber shop. He can't understand. He thinks something terrible's happened. He gets in the car, runs home, gets home, and she's like, Look at Dustin's feet. God healed him. And I love my dad's response. He said, What? what? He, you know, gets kind of an idea of what's going on. He looks down, he goes, I knew God would heal them, would heal him. He got back in the car and just took off and went back to work. 
He was so convinced. He was so adamant about the Word of God. And my encouragement to you tonight is simply this. Having a revelation of what Christ has done for you. Who you are in Him. And appropriating and receiving the full supply of what He's given to you. And not tolerating the lie of the enemy where you think you have to tolerate and live in something. Wondering, I hope one day, wish upon a star, God would do something mighty in my life. You don't have to wait for it. What you have to do is get to the place where this, the will of God, this will, because of this will, because of what Jesus has done for you, because he laid down his life, you begin to live in his life. And this is the deal. Because you've been made the righteousness of God, every cell, every organ, every tissue of your body has to line up and come in line with the will of God. But here's the thing. You don't start meditating on the will of God, the Word of God, when you're sick. You start doing it when you're well. You start renewing your mind to what God has said about you and you get to the place where you're so confident and so expecting that when the lie comes or the devil attacks, it's so uh, it's so foreign or it's, so, it's such a... Um, your, your spirit instantly rises up and takes hold of it instantly comes in and says nope I won't receive it it's not mine it does not belong to me I am not a thief I will not take what Jesus has delivered me from and therefore because I will not take it because I'm the righteousness of God because the sin issue has been dealt with I in the name of Jesus I command and you begin to pray over yourself you begin to take authority over every symptom and everything that the devil would try to put on you why because it's illegal it's not supposed to be there. I like to say this all the time. You know, people are like, well, it's the flu season. It's the flu season. The flu's going around. Every virus, every season. You know, Woo, very careful, man. I hope you don't get the flu this year. Not, you know what? Yeah, it's going around. It's going right around me. Can't touch me. Can't come near me. No plague can come near my dwelling. So you get to that kind of a... People, who do you think you are? Some kind of special guy. Yeah. I'm a blood-bought child of the Most High God. And I'm going to live in divine healing all the days of my life. See, then what happens is because you make a radical decision to live that way, people will start coming to you and say, Hey, will you pray for me? You better believe I will. Because I'll lay hands on, the Bible says, I'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So if you're here tonight, I want to take this opportunity here tonight. If you're here... And you're dealing with a symptom. You're dealing or you've got a diagnosis or something's going on in your body. I want to pray with you tonight. I believe that God will radically heal you. In my room today, I was like, God, I thank you for miracles. I believe in miracles. You know, I say this. I say, I don't live a life that requires miracles. I live a life that produces miracles. Because of the way I live, it produces miracles. And if you're here tonight and you need a miracle from God, you need something in your body. I want to pray with you.